0: morning morning um I don't know if it's Neil you need to be sitting down for my skit y'all it is so hot in here I mean it is so hot I guess it's the menopause I don't know but anyway you're welcome Okay, announcements this morning as you guys are heading in. Um, The angel tree is um, out in the lobby, and you'll see Miss Elaine. She's in the back. If you guys would like to adopt a child uh, for Christmas, Um, let me do this. Let's see. All right, so one night in Bethlehem. Is, I'm going to do this because I'm shaking. One well, Night in Bethlehem is the um, ninth and the 10th. And if y'all have not ever participated in that, especially with your young children, um, it is a great way to teach your kids how to serve. Like It's like the beginning part of serving God. And just a quick little story, the triplets were really little. Um, we were out at the restaurant because the restaurant was always the best place to go because we could go eat some bread and dip and all the good stuff. I don't know if some of y'all remember that. Um, and we were sitting there and Duncan was leaning over and he was getting some dip and all of a sudden he is on fire. And I'm like, the mo- like I can't move. I'm like, ah, I, don't, I don't know why. I, I just could not move. And then um, it was Jim Martin and I believe was the other one Rodney they go and tackle him and get him out I mean he has no idea he thinks he they're trying to wrestle or something he had no idea he was on fire y'all but it was the it was funny afterwards but anyway funny story for that but it is a great way to teach your kids how to start serving the community choir is tonight the community choir is tonight um, at 6 at the GPAC in Hurd County in Franklin and It's free of charge as well, I believe somebody said, of course. Um, Students uh, and kids' Christmas parties are um, Wednesday during normal service, and it will be the last meeting of the year. Uh, Flat Rock Campground Candlelight Service, the Flat Rock Campground um, will be Wednesday, no, yeah, Wednesday the 13th at 6. And then Christmas Eve um, is a special time too. We have our it's at 6 p.m. It's the candlelight service, and again, if you haven't done that, that's a very special thing to do with your family as well to make it a part of your tradition. Kyle? Oh, and calendars are out back if y'all need this information. Good
1: morning, y'all. Good morning.
2: Good day to be in the, the house of the Lord. We're going to sing some songs to him and, and worship and... and um, I'm thankful to be here. I'm thankful all y'all are here. Uh, Today I'm going to be reading, today's first day of Advent, which is, um, I guess it's hope today, right? This is from uh, Romans chapter 5, it's verses uh, 1 through 8. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ though whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of glory of God, not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us you see at just the right time when we were still powerless Christ died for the ungodly very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man though for a good man somebody might possibly dare to die but God demonstrated his love for us in this while we were still sinners Christ died for us and I I read it and thought about it a minute, and then I, I read it again and, and, and thought about it. And, and I said, well, what's Paul trying to say? And I said, well, Paul said, in, in rare cases, some sometimes somebody might might die for a, a good friend or somebody that was just. I guess, you know, I I, I might take Jeff's place. If, if somebody had to die... I mean, they need to be a lawnmower repair man around here, I guess. But well, would you die would you die for your enemy? Somebody that stole something from you. Somebody that spread rumors about you. And still does. That's who he died for. He died for us. We're, we're natural enemies of God just by nature. He come looking for us when we wasn't looking. He come to earth for us and suffered the penalty for our sins and what we deserved. And if that don't bring you hope, a God that loves you when, when, when by nature we don't love Him, the only, only way we can love Him is through the Spirit. Then nothing else will give you hope. And uh, just pray with me this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time and thank you for this scripture, your, your words uplifting to me. Uh, thank you for this time to worship God. I just praise your name, and I pray that whatever we sing and whatever uh, scripture and stuff we read this morning will be satisfying to you. This things I ask in the name of Jesus, amen.
3: Good morning, everyone. If you'll go ahead and stand with us, Pastor Neil's coming, and Catherine and Kyle, you can sing with us as well. We're going to start worship today with O Come, Come, Emmanuel. Um Abby's going to come sing a Christmas special for us.
4: Change shall he break for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy in grateful chorus raise we, let all.
3: y'all stay standing. We're gonna worship. I know we're in awe. What a beautiful rendition of O Holy Night. Thank you so much, Abby, for sharing that with us Amen. today. And we're gonna sing O Come All Ye Faithful. children want to come to the front and join me, we're going to do my favorite part of the season and we're going to talk about our Advent wreath. I know we got lots of kids in here. It don't matter your age. If you're a kid, you can come on down. All right, so Pastor Neil asked me if I'd talk about the Advent wreath this morning. And I think it's because he knows it's my favorite part of the Christmas season. You know why it's my favorite part of the Christmas season? Because there is so much story behind just this wreath and candles. And there's so much that reminds us of what the Christmas season is all about, right? So first, what's, what's the wreath? Everybody point to the wreath. Point to the wreath. What color is the wreath? Green, and guess what's cool about Christmas trees and greenery like this? They're green, but guess what? They never go brown. I have these beautiful hydrangeas in front of my house that never bloomed this summer, but they were nice and green, and you know what? They're not green anymore. They're just gone. They're dead. They're not, they got too cold. But greenery, like an evergreen and like Christmas trees, they never turn any color other than green. Isn't that cool? That represents how God's love for us is always there. It's never ending and it never changes. He just loves us more and more and more. So we've got this circle. The reef's also a circle, right? And it doesn't break. That's another reason that it represents that God's always with us and he never leaves us. And it's an ever ongoing circle, which also means we can always talk to him too because he's always there. Isn't that cool? So then the next thing, what are these? Candles. Candles. So candles, if we light it, what are we going to see? fire, a flame, right? And so Christ was promised to be the light of the world. So we light the candles to represent his light. And even the color of the candles means something. So what color did I just light? Purple. purple. So purple means royalty. So it represents that there was a royal king coming to the world. And Miss Abby just sang, Oh, holy night. And in the chorus, she kept saying Noel. Can y'all say Noel? Noel. Noel in Latin means to be born. So all season long, when you hear people say Noel, they are literally saying somebody was going to be born. And all season long, we see green and red and gold because somebody was going to be born. Who was that somebody? Jesus. Jesus. And so how cool is that, that we sing Noel, which literally meant to be born, and that to be born was Jesus, who was going to be purple, our royal king, who would always forever be with us in our hearts if we accepted him like our ongoing wreath, and who would always, always love us like the greenery that never fades away. And so each week, we will celebrate a different word, but this week, our word is hope. Can y'all say hope? Hope. If you knew that somebody was coming that was always going to love you and never going to leave you and never going to forsake you, wouldn't that give you a lot of hope? What's another word? What's hope? Hope's kind of weird. You know what hope is? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like promise. Like, I hope I'm going to have a good lunch after church, right? And we all hope. Like, there's something we hope is going to happen at Christmas, right? Like, maybe you're hoping for a special gift. Like, I'm hoping I have a baby this week. Like that's my big hope this week, right? And so hope is something we, we're looking forward to and we're holding on to and we're promising and wishful for, right? Like, I hoped something really good would happen yesterday, and it worked in my favor but not in a lot of other people's favor, right? So that's what hope is. And Christ being born was that hope for all people, okay? And next week we'll talk about a different one. Somebody want to pray for us before y'all go to Sunday school? I'll pray for us. Ready? Dear gracious heavenly Father God, thank you so much just for the Advent season God, and for the reminder that Jesus was gonna is and was gonna be and will always be the hope of the nations God, Lord. When we um, are worried about things and wondering when things are gonna happen, God, Lord, we can always hope and trust in you because you will never leave us or forsake us. Your love will never cease, and your circle around us that will never be broken, God. And so we thank you for your royalty, and we thank you for the promise that you were coming, and that you came, and that you lived a perfect life, and that it didn't end on the cross, God, but now you live in all of us who love and cherish and believe in you in our hearts. Be with these kids as they go to um, children's church, and be with our adults as we start studying Matthew to just set our hearts for the Advent season, too. We love you and praise you and thank you. And all God's children said, Amen. good deal so if you are under the age of third grade you are going to go second grade you're going to go to the back for children's church and if you're older second grade we have um, the packets that you can complete in church okay all right y'all go right back there on miss Katrina
1: amen thank you Kat. Um, the rest of us turn to Matthew chapter 1. As she mentioned, our Advent preaching begins today with the theme of hope. So what we're going to do over the next four weeks in preparation for Christmas, the word Advent means coming. So we're anticipating all that Christ is and all that he brings uh, into our personal lives and our world. Um, We're going to look at the beginning of each of the four Gospels. So Matthew 1, uh, we're going to notice the theme of hope. And of course Mark, Luke, and John will also be in the beginning of these Gospels, uh, the good news, in order to see what God would teach us through these oftentimes considered... uh, Well, I'll just make a confession... I'm guilty of a lot of things, uh, but one of the things I've been guilty of in my preaching, especially around Christmas season, is that I skip the introductions, especially the genealogies that are in Matthew, and then there's one a little bit later in Luke. Now, you be honest, when you read your Bible, when you come to all those begats, the temptation is to skip over it. Uh, for me personally, it's like those ads you see on social media or videos or whatever you're watching, and as soon as it says, skip ad, I skip the ad, right? I, mean, I didn't come there for that. I, I came there for what I wanted to see and what I wanted to know. So the genealogies have been, from, from my perspective, um, neglected. And, and, and to neglect the genealogies is to neglect one of the most important Uh, aspects of the gospel, because after all, this is where it starts, right? Uh, The whole New Testament starts in Matthew chapter 1. So even though we all struggle with the pronouncing of the particular names, uh, even though, as I read through this, it might seem or come across as boring or irrelevant and busy work, Uh, We're going to read Matthew chapter 1, and you're going to get to see your pastor struggle over some of these names. But there is deep theological significance in Matthew 1 that we don't need to miss. And in Mark 1, and in Luke 1, and of course John 1 is going to be easy preaching. Um, uh, That's one that we have covered uh, often, almost every Christmas season. So, Let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 1, Uh, bear with me, or rather enjoy and have reverence for and lean into uh, the Word of God. I'm going to read verses 1 through 25, okay? And then we're going to exegete what I think are the important concepts that we need to grasp in order to solidify and strengthen our hope in Christ. I really enjoy hearing Kyle read and talk. Uh, Romans 5, this is the hope that will not disappoint. Love what Paul says in Romans 5. This alone is the hope that will not disappoint. The Bible and all of life is directing you and me to a singular yet supernatural source of hope, and that is Christ alone. All of our other hopes are going to ultimately leave us utterly disappointed. Whatever idols, man, Jenny Goods got me this morning. If there's anything that I at times put a too much of my emotion, energy, and hope in, it's UGA football. Kudos to you, Jenny. You played real well yesterday. I... <laughs> All right, Matthew chapter 1. That's all that I'm going to say about that, to quote the great theologian Forrest Gump. All right, Matthew chapter 1. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. The son of David. The son of Abraham. And so Abraham was born Isaac, to Isaac Jacob, and to Jacob Judah and his brothers. To Judah were were born Perez and Zerah by Tamar. And to Perez was born Hezron. And to Hezron, Ram. Or Ram, who knows? And to Ram was born Aminadab. And to Aminadab, Nashon. And to Nashon, Salmon. And to Salmon was born Boaz by Rahab. And to Boaz was born Obed by Ruth. Ah, there's a name we recognize. And to Obed, Jesse. And to Jesse was born David the king. The king. To David was born Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. To Solomon was born Rehoboam. And to Rehoboam, Abijah. And to Abijah, Asa. There's a name I can pronounce. And to Asa, what a name. And to Asa was born Jehoshaphat. And to Jehoshaphat, Joram. And to Joram, Uzziah. And to Uzziah was born Jotham. And to Jotham, Ahaz. And to Ahaz, Hezekiah. And to Hezekiah was born Manasseh. And to Manasseh, Amon, And to Amon Josiah. And to Josiah were born Jeconiah. And his brother. At the time of the deportation of Babylon, ah, so now we've got a hint. He is reviewing and recalling the history of God's people, generation after generation. After the deportation to Babylon, to Jeconiah was born Shealtiel, and to Shealtiel, Zerubbabel, and to Zerubbabel was born. Be-ud, and to Beod Eliakim, and to Eliakim Azor, and to Azor was born Zadok, and to Zadok Achim, and to Achim Eliad, and to Eliad was born Eleazar. To Eleazar uh, Mathan, Methan, and to Mathan Jacob, ah, now, we're, now we're in familiar territory. And to Jacob was born Joseph, who was the husband of Mary, by whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Messiah, anointed one, chosen one. Therefore, verse 17, all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. From David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to the time of Christ, 14 generations. Seven and seven, seven and seven, and seven and seven. Six sevens. Hold that thought. Maybe later. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, not wanting to disgrace her desire to, quote, put her away secretly. But when he had considered this... God intervened. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which has been conceived, this was a supernatural conception, in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. For it is he... And the emphasis in the Greek is like this. It is he and no other. It is he and no other who will save his people from what? From their sins. Now all this took place that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled saying, Behold, he's quoting from guess who, the book of Isaiah where we spent 20 weeks leading up to this. The virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. God with us. Joseph arose from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took her as his wife, and he kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Jesus. Father Thank you for this genealogy. Thank you for a reminder of the significant history that builds up to and anticipates Christ. Help me and help us to understand the significance of this, not only in its history and its um, impact, uh, but on us personally, that, that each of us personally would have our hope that is to be in Christ strengthened and solidified and encouraged by what you desire to teach us through the history of Jesus and how you work to bring about his amazing birth and the beginning of the gospel. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, so I I had to simplify this a good bit for me uh, in both communicating it and also hopefully for you in, in understanding it because there every week, as I say, there is a lot here. So let me just cut to the chase and say the whole point of Matthew beginning the genealogy of, or his gospel with the genealogy is to establish that Jesus is the Christ, okay? So he is running through history and he's saying that what you are reading are the credentials of and and the, the proof that Jesus was the promised anointed one of God who providentially in the sovereignty of God led to him fulfilling the legal dimensions and the legal requirements biblically for being the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God. So you're saying, where was the simplification? I'll give it to you right here. Number one, let's consider the king's background. Okay? Let's think about his background. Now, this is difficult because actually his background is in eternity past. There has never been a time when he was not. He was and is and forever will be the eternal Son of God. But he came down in literal human history, in real life. So as we considered the background of the king, I want to make a statement. And it's an important statement. God uses real, ordinary people to accomplish his plan of redemption. Who are these people? Well, they're real people. They're people like you and me. They had flesh and blood. They had personalities. They had DNA. They were factual. They were historical. Uh, Some of you from generations ago might remember that show. I love the show. Real people. Any of you remember that? And it was so refreshing (laughs) to have real people. People like you and me who would step on the stage and demonstrate their talents. God is calling real, tangible people to the stage of human history and saying that, yeah, he could have snapped his fingers. Yeah, like the very beginning, it could have been ex nihilo. He could have created whatever he wanted to out of nothing. But instead, by his wisdom and grace and in his sovereign providence, he chose to use real people and real human experiences and some of the natural processes that we are familiar with to bring about the greatest news and the greatest event that's ever happened in human history. He used motherhood. He used fatherhood. He used life, death, suffering, sin, difficulty, failure, In fact, one of the shocking things, and I'll kind of cut to the chase here because I can already tell that I'm getting a little more in-depth than I need to for our uh, uh, limited attention spans. But here's 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 what's incredible. This is shocking. Now, it's not shocking to us because we're not from this time in history, this particular culture, but there are five women listed in this genealogy that's incredible and I really like how the NIV emphasizes in this list the mother of the mother of the mother of the mother of there's some special deal with motherhood that is extremely significant in how God works all this out and could it be that it goes back to the first promise of the Gospel in Genesis 3.15. That from the seed of the woman would come one who would absolutely crush the head of the enemy Satan. I could preach a whole sermon on the significance here of motherhood and the sanctity of birth and all that that entails, But just know that God is turning his enemy's evil intentions upside down, inside out, and all around to magnify his glory and his grace. Not only are there five women listed in this genealogy, but they all, at least until you get to Mary, they're all Gentiles, they're all Canaanites, they're foreigners. They don't belong in this list according to the way humans were thinking and functioning. Not only that, but every single one of these five mothers, including Ruth and Mary, were shrouded with this cloud of sexual impurity. Now, you need to go and read on your own the stories of each of these individuals. Tamar, Genesis 38, i give you a brief summary of an incredible story. Hey, every single one of these could be a Netflix series, okay? Read it. This is um, for adult audiences only, to a large degree, as you read these stories. So Tamar, who was Tamar, and why are you mentioning Tamar? Couldn't you just leave that out? I mean, why are you bringing up some of these sketchy parts of the history Hold that thought. Tamar was a Canaanite widow, guilty of sexual entrapment and incest with her father-in-law, Judah. I'll stop there. That in itself says a whole lot. Why in the world, Matthew, are you bringing up Tamar? Couldn't we have just left her out? Couldn't you just skip that part? Why are you telling the story of Jesus by introducing such a character and such a story? Number two, Rahab. She was a Canaanite prostitute. Spared by God. Joshua chapter 2. And somehow... As she interacted by faith according to Hebrews 11 with God's people she somehow is crafted into this wonderful story god what's the deal what are you trying to say ruth the mother of obed she was from moab and if you study the moabites they had a horrible reputation their morality, their purity was not on anybody's radar. Yet Ruth was a Moabitess. Bryson just preached a series through, you to our, to, through Ruth to our students. It was really incredible. And the reason he did that was to prepare them to understand the significance in this larger story that... That gets to Christ. She too was a Gentile. Forbidden. Cast out. Estranged. Banished. From the people of God. But God in his grace. Brought her in. Uh, Then you got Bathsheba. Notorious Bathsheba. Isn't it interesting that in Matthew 1, instead of just saying Bathsheba, he takes a shot at King David. I want to read that one again. Where was that? Are y'all still here? Are you still with me? Thank you, Jeff. Jeff's always listening. To David was born Solomon, listen, by her who had been the wife of Uriah. And if David could speak, he would say to Matthew, Why did you have to put it like that? Why did you have to say it like that? To remind David the king uh, that he had no righteousness in and of himself either. This reminds us that David, this king, who Matthew worked so hard to say, Jesus is of Abraham the father, Jesus is of David. That we need someone and something more. Because in this one incident, David the king is exposed for his adultery, his murder, and his treason. And then, of course, there's Mary. And the rest of Matthew chapter 1 deals with the fact that in this particular culture, nobody had a supernatural birth in mind when Mary became expectant with child. So Joseph himself had to be confronted by God and say, Wait, this is not human work. This is God's work. She hasn't been unfaithful. She hasn't been shady. But throughout the beginning of this story, that issue, that cloud was was on the table. Now, why in the world would Matthew go out of his way to emphasize the, the dark side of this story? Why does he go out of his way to emphasize that what we have here are Canaanites and Gentiles... People banished, people thrown out. You and I would have canceled every one of these people from our particular genealogies. Or let's put it this way. If you were creating a resume to make yourself look really good, you would have scratched all this out of your history. Resume padding, okay? Genealogy padding. Let's make ourselves look better by scratching off Certain things, or certain events, or certain times, or certain places, or certain people that we just don't think are worthy of being a part of a story this larger than any of us. What's Matthew doing? Hold that thought. These Gentiles and notorious sinners... So unlikely and seemingly so unnecessary are a very important part of this story. In fact, my son Jake has an NIV study Bible. And Jake, you made some notes along in Matthew chapter 1. And beside the genealogies in Matthew 1, it was barely legible, but it said the unimportant people are important (laughs) the unimportant people are important which brings to this point that there are no unimportant people that these are ordinary real-life people and 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 here's a sub-sermon and I can tell already we're not going to get to all four points I don't know what I'm going to do with the rest of the story but to be human means three things theologically, and in reality. It means that you are temporal. And what I mean by that is your life is like a vapor. It's like a mist. It's your People are here and then they're gone, right? Man, I just read through 14, 14, and 14 generations of people and it took a millisecond to read each of these names. In the whole scope of eternity, that's you and me. We're just a breath, James says. We're just a vapor. We're here and we're gone. So how in the world, in the scope of eternity, can people like me and you have significance and meaning and value and we struggle with that. Does anything mean anything anymore? The genealogies say absolutely yes. That God cares deeply about every single individual. That they are created in His image that they are important that our lives are a vapor and they're amidst but God is big enough and strong enough and sovereign enough to work every ordinary person into a story that's much bigger and better than any of us as individuals left to ourselves does that make sense not only are we temporal but we are fallen we are sinful You and I have inherited a sinful nature from original sin. So why would he include sinners in the genealogy? I've got a response to that. Who else could he have included? There are no other options out there. There's no other person to choose from except a fallen sinner who makes horrible mistakes, selfish decisions... To be human and to be real and original means that not only are we temporal, but, but we're sinful. So when you read through the, the genealogies and you want to start scratching out some names, be very careful with that because what are your reasons for excluding these sinners from the wonderful story of grace? Now there's nothing that, that, that creates within us competition back to me and Jenny, like sports. Ah. <laughs> Last night, I sinned a bunch. <laughs> Let me tell you all this. We, we uh, years ago, I, I, I kind of got, I messed up. I got in on the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl deal years ago, and so I went a few years when it first moved to, inside to the dome. I went to a few Peach Bowls that I didn't have a, I didn't have a horse in the race. I didn't have a, a dog in the fight. In one year, Tennessee was playing somebody. I can't remember who it was. I, was. I was in the Tennessee section. And there was a Tennessee fan behind me and a Tennessee fan in front of me. And they, one of these guys was furious. He stood up and he was, he was cussing the coaches. He was cussing the program. This other Tennessee fan was offended and stood up and told that Tennessee fan, I'm, I'm in the middle of this conversation if that's what it's called and the one guy says you don't deserve to be here and the other Tennessee fan Kyle he looked back and he says you don't deserve to be here and I'm thinking I don't deserve to be here right? (laughs) but if you read the stories of Tamar and Bathsheba The kings that are in this list, almost all those kings have have a terrible past. We would say about almost every one of them, you don't deserve to be here. You don't deserve to be here. God is saying that His kingdom and His Savior is not operating the way we operate. This highlights his mercy, it highlights his grace, it highlights his sovereignty. Matthew is going to tell the rest of his story, and it's going to go like this. Jesus came to save sinners, and all of us are sinners. And your ability to receive grace and give grace, which I think are the Two foundations to a healthy soul and life. The ability to receive it and give it. A lot of that can be taught from the genealogies. And from us recognizing that Matthew intentionally, because of God's sovereignty, uses sin and sinners to work a much greater story. A much more beautiful story. That magnifies God and His grace and humbles human pride and self-righteousness. And I'm one of the good ones and they're one of the bad ones. See, all of us have been banished and kicked out of Eden. Because we have inherited in our genealogy original sin that manifests itself on a daily basis both inside and out. And if you never recognize, as Kyle said, that by nature you are an enemy of God, if you never grasp that, you can never become a friend of God because you'll never see your own need. You said there were three things about ordinary real people that we all have in common. Yeah, I did, didn't I? We're limited boom, boom, boom. People come and go, they die. We're fallen, boom, boom, boom. All these people are a mess. What was the third thing? It's that apart from God and His grace, we're absolutely hopeless. Absolutely hopeless, utterly hopeless. Ephesians puts it like this, without hope and without God. He was telling that to the Gentiles. Gentiles, remember. Remember, you were on the outside. There was no way you could be part of this family. You couldn't work your way in. You couldn't birth your way in. You couldn't do anything to get in. How are you going to get in? Well, let me close with a couple of thoughts. My second point was, beyond the king's background, it was the king's birth. Christ comes down. God comes down. He doesn't just stand out, he stands alone. He stands alone, oh man, in his suffering, his serving, his righteousness. His purity, His death, His burial, His resurrection, His ascension, His sovereign control. This, this is Christ the King. He alone is our hope. Oh, and then the King's blessings, the joy, the peace, the hope. I had about 15 20 minutes worth on that one. We're going to skip that one because I got next week... Come back next week. I'll talk a little bit about those. But I really want to close by saying who are the beneficiaries of this king and his blessings and his rule and his reign? Who's forgiven? Who's, who's, so, so here's what I did. I'm still working from that third point that left to ourselves we're absolutely hopeless. Nothing you can earn, nothing you can do, nothing you can accomplish. How do we get in? So here's what I did. Uh, Catherine and Vicky, are y'all still here? They're part of this. This is my family genealogy. This is the Aubrey family. <laughs> now, I've got several genealogies, but here's the last name genealogy. And it goes back to Captain Frank Aubrey. That sounds important, doesn't it? 1710. <laughs> Man, my genealogy goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. So... This is just the last few seconds of history. But this is important to me. I'm kind of fascinated with it, a little bit obsessed by it. I've, I've gone and talked to my uh, grand, grandfather's sister about, about some of these people, because I'm interested. It helps me understand who I am. It al- helps me understand where I came from. All those things are important. But then I started to ask this question. I says, "How do you get in this family?" How are these names on this list? You don't want to get in this family. If you knew them like I know them. Just joking, family. (laughs) We got, hey, there's some people on here that that, that Matthew wouldn't have put in there, man. I mean, uh, if you're listening, you know why that's funny. And then I zeroed in on, I guess, to be part of a family. There are a few ways, right? Right. And I'm thinking genealogy here. I'm thinking Ancestry.com. I'm thinking the beneficiaries of God's family, which is eternally extremely significant and day-to-day also very significant. We could be born into it, right? Just born into it. We, We don't control that. God controls that. Uh, and that's this. Why this is great? It's, it's grace to be here. It's grace that there is a Matthew one genealogy. God could have done away with the whole lot of humanity and been justified and righteous. You can be born into a family. You can also be adopted legally. Some of you may be legally adopted into a family that you weren't naturally born into, but someone loved you, and they chose you, and they legally adopted you, and now you, like Jesus, are legally in a line that is significantly important. Matthew's tracing the legal line. Jesus essentially was adopted by Joseph, and legally, the Christ. You could also marry into this family. If you get married, they, they, all the wives are listed here. The mothers are listed here. Then The natural process of, of birth and marriage and children is all part of this. But would there be another way to join a more significant family? And that's the miracle of grace. You and I... Sinful Gentiles, excluded from the people of God, can be part of God's family by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Paul calls this being grafted in, being brought in by a miracle. And what's interesting is that after you're grafted in by grace through faith, guess what? The three analogies I used apply to you. You're what? You're born again, born anew. You're chosen and adopted by God, and you're united in a covenant relationship forever and ever with Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 1 is about amazing grace. Not amazing grace people or amazing morality or amazing human accomplishments this is amazing grace this is our hope matthew saying christ is the one he is the messiah who saves that's enough for now father thank you for our time together Thank you, God, for your amazing grace. Thank you for including sinners and ordinary real people in the genealogy of Jesus. He was without sin, He was not limited in that He is the eternal Son of God. He is the atoning sacrifice that is the basis of our forgiveness. His Spirit lives in us to change us and make us a new creation. Give us a new beginning. And then we have the promise of an eternity with you. uh, Because we know and are one with the one true King. Christ the King, Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing. What child is this? Matthew has already answered that question. What about you have you answered that question you come as we sing This is Christ the King. All right, we've got a special presentation that I like. Come on, Russ and Catherine. Y'all know Russ and Catherine. Um, got married a couple years ago, and now she's expecting a child here in hopefully a few days. Uh, y'all may not know this, but Russ has not yet formally joined Glenlock Baptist Church until now. Yay. So, yeah, let's give it up for Russ. Uh. Russ and I have been talking about this for quite some time, and he called me earlier this week. He says, I'm ready. I'm ready to join. So I'm ready to, to present you. He's been baptized. He's a born-again believer in Christ um, and desires to formally unite with us. He's already a part of us. Uh, but this is an important step to unite formally, and I just pray, as I prayed with them there, that, that I will be the pastor and that we will be the church that will help he and Catherine grow in their discipleship, and also that God would bless Wren, uh, the expected baby girl, that she too, like them, would be a voice, a voice for Jesus. So what's the pleasure of Glenlock Baptist Church in regards to Russ Moody uh, joining us formally? Okay, I already have a second. All in favor, let me know my saying amen. 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 So I'm going to ask Catherine just to stay here uh, with Russ, and then after our prayer, Uh, You might want to come by and just let him know how grateful we are that he chose to unite with Glenlock Baptist Church this morning. All right, I know Crystal has something to say about uh, one night, Um, so Crystal, I invite you to come on up and encourage us in that way. Hey, we got two birthdays today, Becky Gaskamp and Becky Carlisle, right? Yeah, uh, not today, yesterday. So... um, in keeping with the alliteration of the sermon, it's, it's birthday for the two B's, Becky and Becky. We love, we love both of you and are grateful for you. Uh, Crystal, if you'll share what you need to share. Thank you. Can I say something about that? I also want you all to know Kyle Kane's mother died this week. Her funeral was yesterday afternoon at 2 o'clock in Buchanan. Kyle spoke at her funeral, did an amazing job. Thank you, Kyle, for your heart. It's the realest funeral I've ever been to. But my point is, and I hate guilt trips, okay? That's not a good motivator. But Kyle was in Franklin at the GPAC practicing yesterday morning in preparation for tonight at 6 o'clock. So if on the day of his mother's funeral, Kyle can go practice for a few hours, well, where are you going to be tonight at 6 o'clock? I'll leave that up, I'll, I'll leave that up to you.
3: <laughs> All right, everyone, we're going to close today by singing Go Tell It on the Mountain. Go
4: tell it on the mountain. Over the hills and everywhere, go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is
3: born. Hope you all have a blessed day. Come by and come shake a hand and give a hug to Russ and Catherine.